Yeah, I'm good to go. Sorry. Okay, let's try that again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And this is Alex Kazam. A funny thing happened on the way to the podcast. I looked at all three cameras <laughs> to go, hello. You can. And then I didn't. No. I just what? awkwardly paused. Well, you can say hello again. You can try again. Either way, you're kind of in all three. You've kind of framed it, so. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm stoked. I like the wall of beer behind me. It, I, it took a lot longer than most people would probably think to acquire that much beer, but I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. It's because you weigh 90 pounds, and your girlfriend <laughs> has one gulp of beer, and she's well, on the floor, so she, she doesn't does, contribute much. Not, no, not much. <laughs> just the visual of a 90-pound guy with a girlfriend who just has a single gulp of beer for the night and then does nothing else. The half of that's true. She does have a thing. Like she, she will. She's not good with beer. She, with beer, she doesn't yeah. like beer. Or she's just not good with it. Like she just, just drops it. Just what does that alcohol. mean? Not good. Like maybe, she'll maybe fall. The carbonation. <laughs> <laughs> this this person is now staring us in the eyes. Met her a few times. She she's been on stage. Good to see you again. Pleasure. That was steal everybody. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So we should explain a little bit about our guest, or have him explain himself a little bit. Maybe I think. Yeah. Self-promote. Ah, uh, my name is Alex. I am a mystery artist. Uh, I think that's the best term that I can put it as. I don't know. That's what I do. I'm a mystery artist. I use mystery to create art. I'm a magician and a mind reader and a writer. And that's... An award-winning blog writer. An award-winning <laughs> blogger. Yeah. Thank you. It's true. That's it's, it just makes it sound better when you I say know. it, right? It makes blogging sound less tedious and silly than it really is, even though it's silly and tedious. But a prestigious um, Canadian award-winning blogger. We haven't won any awards yet for no. blogging, so it's better than we got. It's okay. You'll get there. Oh yeah, um, they're they're fun to write. You just have to sit down and actually finish them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got a good one tomorrow. Andrew's nice. talking. We have a we have a photographer who's a bit past our our age. And he started a series that I'm going to publish about his journey to working with us. So he has, like, 25 years on us anyway. So. Cool. Well, not 25, 20 years. A series? Uh, what kind of series? Oh, just a written blog series. Oh, cool. A weekly thing. Yeah, so. yeah. Cool. And he's worked on cruise ships. He's done all that stuff. So Yeah. It'll be interesting. As a photographer? Yeah. Cool. You've been on cruise ships too, right? I do this. No. No? No. What, what no. Time, where do you typically perform your, your acts? Right now, or in general? I guess right now or in the past? Right now is a good, good example. This is fun. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. I love that take, I don't take know where you, you, you tell No, me. it's just free-flowing. I love free-flow. Um, so right now, I'm in two, four, five, carry the two, six, four restaurants. Four restaurants? Restaurants, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, I know. Hmm. I, I am a guy that goes around, I am, and... and Restaurants are a funny beast, man. So I'm in four restaurants across the Niagara region, and then I'm in uh, the Four Points by Sheridan in the basement. There's a theater called the Grand Ball. And it's a great show. I know. You came. I you came. came. You haven't I come yet. The first oh, come. Come anytime. We'll give away tickets to anybody watching. Um, <laughs> just comment below. Just comment below. We'll give you tickets. Uh, I mean that sincerely. I think we can do that. Can we do that? I don't know. I'm sure. Can we do that? Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't actually have it, in case you were wondering. I had some this year. Um, uh, restaurant. Yeah, yeah, because dining, right? Restaurants used to be about, like, more than food, right? Now, restaurants, 
they have good food, the service is crap. Sometimes it's good food, sometimes the service is good. Sometimes the service is crap, sometimes the food is crap, sometimes the food is crap, sometimes the service is good. Um, they have a decent atmosphere, or the atmosphere is crap, the food is crap, and the service is crap. Or all of them are good, depends. But they think that's enough, and I think that, and if we order those as one, two, three, right? Like food, service, atmosphere, it should be service first, because you can have a crappy food product and a crappy atmosphere, but if your service is awesome, people will come back. That's true. Second to that, I, to would, an put, extent. I would put product. So if your food is good, sorry, if your service is good, your product is good, but your atmosphere is crap, people okay. will still come back. But if all three are crap, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot. If your service and food are bad, and then your atmosphere is great, eh, I'm not gonna go, right? Like, yeah, nice atmosphere, but the service and the, and the food sucks. Mm -hmm. So I go in, sorry, because like, yeah, I go and then when people order, yeah. I show up, and I'm like an extension of the hospitality of the restaurant. Okay. I say like, so you're, that's you're a part of, of, you're part of the service. Yeah, but I, I yeah, but, yeah, I, see yeah, I want to know where you fit in all this. Yeah, yeah. Am I part of the service? Yeah, I'm part of the. I'm part of the guest experience. Okay. That's how I would say it. Because I don't, I don't, I don't clear plates. I don't touch their food. I don't touch their drinks. Um, yeah, I think I think guest experience is a good way to put it because I make sure that I got people that are just cool. You know, we have fun. At the end of the day, you're slinging drinks and putting food in front of people. You can't take this stuff too seriously. So I just. I mean, and that said, but you can also take it very seriously because people celebrate some really intense milestones in restaurants, right? So that's how I fit in. And I think, I mean, there's a blog called like 10 reasons you need to hire a magician for your restaurant. And I agree with all those points. And I, I really, I use that anytime I'm trying to sell myself into a new restaurant, which I've never had to do. So I'm lying. How, how, I about, I, how about I do it for you? Yeah. The only time, this has only happened in my life once, right. where there was a, it was a magician in yeah. a restaurant. I was I was a kid. My parents had gone on vacation to Florida. We were at a pizza restaurant, and there was there was a magi magician. It's the first time I've ever been up close and personal with a magician. And even you know maybe because I was ten years old and my brothers were younger too, he blew our freaking minds. <laughs> he was we didn't care about the pizza anymore. Yeah. There was a magician making salt appear out of the you know midair and and all these little tricks. And I will remember the guy for the rest of my life. I don't remember what the pizza was like. I don't know if it was good. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the other thing too. It's it's hard to walk into a restaurant and have amazing product that you'll talk about forever, but it's really easy to have a memory that you'll talk about forever. Yeah, and it's unexpected too, because it's, not, it's happened once in my life that it was a magician right. performing. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it is. It's, it's as, as commonplace as I think I think it is, it's, it's not as commonplace at all, right? Like, it's funny, we live in this, this kind of bubble of a region, but um, I go out and, I, and I, I think of it like there's so many magicians, but it's, it's true, there, there aren't very many. There, it's a huge niche but it's still a niche, right? It's very, very niche. Um, but that's good. That's good that you had a good experience. Yeah. And um, and that's just it. It's 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 so funny. I think I think, I mean, you've seen me. I, I rack my brain for hours and hours and hours in a day on developing and working towards growing this this vision. I mean, it's an artistic vision. And then at the end of the day, I have to sit down and go. I'm just I'm just a guy that does little tricks in restaurants. Like that's what people essentially will end up framing it as no matter how great I want to make it. Um, but that said, I think that that doesn't give me permission to make what I do trivial. And I don't want to trivialize no. it, right? Because it's more about the experience and it's more about how did that guy make you feel? And I mean, yeah, the salt from midair, that's cool. Um, I've had people that thanked me after performing with them because they said I was a little scared and apprehensive because there was a guy in a, a restaurant in, in Grimsby or in wherever it was, I don't remember what city it was, um, 
and he really embarrassed us and he made us feel not good. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think that was my, uh, my Angela that said, people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And I'm always trying to just come from it at, at that angle. And if I meet you and you're nice and you engage, then I'll share my art with you. And my backstory is this is something I take seriously and we don't need to be solemn about it. I think people confuse solemnity with seriousness a lot, but I take this seriously and I, I would ask your attention because we're going to have a great time. But that said, there's people that are just dicks right off the top and sometimes I can win them over, but sometimes I don't even bother, right? It's like, I just don't like your energy and thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. I might do one quick thing so it's not super awkward, but then I just leave because there's 90 other tables uh, and it's kind of cool that, that, you know, I can give myself that permission now. Um, well, but I'm, the point is, I'm glad you had a good experience. And you, you must have a very floor. unique ability to disarm people, like, emotionally when you first meet them, I would imagine. Even on, like, a street, if you're having some kind of casual interaction with a stranger, just because it is such a people people skill to be doing what you're doing. I know I'm not even close up to the task of trying to pretend to be able to do that. I'll, I'll destroy I don't know if you remember it at all, but... Uh, one time we were at BD's, you would come in to get work done. Um, it was that, uh, that uh, well, a trick. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a guy that came in as we were working through it, and he was pissed off. Just flat out pissed off. Oh, yeah. Off. And he began Not talking. Not at us. Not at us. You just had like a, a yeah. yeah, yeah. And he his began wife, talking. His wife and, or ex or something. Yeah. And you talked him through, and he said to you, well, can you show me something to show my son? Like, show me a simple trick. And you walked him through with cards and showed him. And you invited him to come to Johnny Rocco's that night. I don't know if he showed up, but I know yeah. I did. But yeah. that you you diffused a situation that I could never have done with photocopies. <laughs> I, you're giving yourself not enough credit. I think, I think you do, in your own way, have have a power to do it. I, 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 okay, I accept that it's tougher. I think more not because of the photocopies, but because of the the position, uh, and that's a status thing more than it is a, a prop thing, right? It's not because of the photocopies, it's because, and I, I don't mean status as in lower or higher, I just mean you're, or, I mean, not even status, but, but social role, right? You're there to execute a task, and I think it would be weird if you started to help this guy navigate his rough relationship waters. Uh, but me, yeah, I, I agree with you, and, and to, to kind of continue that point, it's a lot of fun. Um, there's a guy that I look up to very much in the UK named Darren Brown, and he wrote a book that is like really, really hard to get a, a copy of, and someone was nice enough to finally track down a copy and get it for me. And in this book, he basically tells you, get someone that knows you well, preferably, and I don't know if he says preferably, but he says, Usually a, a woman would be would be the best bet. If you can find a woman that knows you and that you trust and get her to describe your social character as fairly and accurately as possible. And it's funny that you say disarm because one thing and sorry, social character in a in a situation where I feel secure and able and and outside of magic or outside of performing, because a lot of times magicians, if you take away the props and you take away that on persona or that character, mm-hmm. they don't have very much. They're very empty human beings, I find, and, and I think that's why a lot of people find them to be very awkward and it's a bit kind of Stark contrast with you. I've never seen you in a state where I would. Yeah, I've never seen you off. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and I appreciate that. That's been a lot of work. 
because I think once you mature and once you grow in the in the work as any as any artist uh, the, the, well, not any artist but most variety arts if you're able to if, as a, if you're not playing a character if you're yourself the, the on-stage persona is it should just be a, a slightly exaggerated maybe refined version of who you are but it used to be that if I went into on mode people would cringe because they knew that there was something coming and it was this like total switch and now it's it's different uh, but uh, to wrap up the other story my partner said that one of the things she she loves most about me is my ability to direct and disarm she used that word people in a in a situation that might be a little heated or might be a little um, rough you know like the guy that came in stressed about his ex-wife and his kids project or whatever I think it's uh, yeah I'm really lucky man I'm really lucky because it's magic is great but if you can do it just through chatting yeah right I mean if you have props it helps with the, you know, with the cars or whatever but sure. it's uh, it, the only reason I use the word disarm is there's a street photographer that I really like to watch his, his YouTube videos and, and stuff and he talks a lot about the way that you get people to give a genuine reaction to something or, the, or just interacting with people in the street when you're taking a photograph of them because usually people freeze if you aim a camera at them out of nowhere and they're not ready for it but being able to have a conversation like you see them do strange things like walk up to people you know have a conversation with them shake their hand and pull it again take a picture and then they keep talking like nothing happened the person keeps talking like nothing happened and it's this really strange experience where you need to be able to guide it to a place where that can happen and there's no nothing weird about it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you use the word disarm a lot. Yeah, well that yeah, it's essentially I mean in photography, it's so interesting because the second you have that piece of gear, people I think people feel like they need to change or shift or make themselves look it's entirely different. Like the whole thing of smile. It's like, why do we got a smile for all of our photographs? Right. Yeah. 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 And I think I think a lot of that is. I mean, partially it's, it's insecurity and it's, yeah. it's wanting to look our best, which is fine. I don't think. I mean, that's that's inherently human. I think it's it's almost like a, the fact that it's an eye without a person. It's kind of this weird animate inanimate inanimate object because it's animate animated and animate in the sense that you know it can capture memories and moments yeah. but inanimate because there's no one directing those moments I mean yes there's a photographer or a videographer which is I think maybe the threatening part of it the unknown of what this person intends to do yeah and what this machine is doing yeah and that yeah. can be extremely threatening especially if you've had bad experiences with people I mean now that cyberbullying has been a thing for so long yeah you know you don't know what that person's been through so I, I respect you guys for, for what you do not, not that you necessarily do tons and tons of street photography but the guys that do um, you know, I, I had a friend that did a photography project. She was taking photography of humans at George Brown, I think. And for two days, she tried to assimilate into the homeless population in Toronto. She got beat within inches of her life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, you know, and, and that's there partially are, on her, but also... Yeah, but, but there are right ways and wrong ways to do it. I, for sure. One of the people I look up to, he definitely does that successfully. I thought maybe I could too. I got a homeless person telling me he wanted to beat my head in with the camera I was using. So that's how it goes. Yeah. And it's I don't. I was kind of ready for that. I knew that I might get a bad reaction, but but no, it, I don't. Ha I didn't have that skill at the time. I probably still don't have it. But some people are so good at it, and I think that personality type that suits a like a, a magician best kind of is the same same idea. I would think. Yeah. 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 And it's it's funny because. 
you know, magician is just it's just a word for the archetype that I yeah. think. I, I almost feel weird saying because I know it's so much more than just this stereotype I have in my head of what a magician is. No, and it don't it don't feel weird. I just I think, and that's where I was going with that. I mean, it's it's you say magician, but that could equally be um, street photographer. That could be really anything. I just think that it's it's funny because that that ability to penetrate into uh, a social situation. I mean, I've, I think that's what ultimately got me into and, and sticking with magic. Uh, that's where the mind reading stuff came from. And I, I don't say mentalism again because it's just it's just so pretentious. It's the whole thing is pretentious. The fact that we're having this conversation is to be entitled white dudes is pretentious. Uh, but I but being aware of that, I think, takes away from um, the toxic elements of that. And, and all I mean is is magician. I mean, it's just, it's just a giant archetype. But if you play to the the light form of it, Robert Moore wrote a book. Wrote a book about right. it. Um, we play the the light side of it instead of the shadow side, and that's where I think the guy who was homeless being threatened by your camera, he might have just felt like you were, you were partaking in the kind of the shadow side or the the yeah. shadowy realm. He, he probably thought I was taking advantage of the the state that he was in, which is fine. I mean, I I didn't say it, but I, I've had lots of really good interactions with the homeless people of St. Catharines. Yeah, it's, it's been fine. That was the one that stuck out in my mind that was negative. Yeah. But, and that'll happen. But so the dark and the light side. So what are the distinguishing differences between the two? Like, how would you steer yourself in the right direction as a magician to be on the light side? I think that's that's cool because you're you're kind of forcing me to frame it from a positive angle. And so let me start with the negative, okay. and then and then that'll help us get to the positive. Because I think I think the shadow side is this manipulative, cold kind of. I don't, I don't know. It's 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 um. Is it just like a calculation of, yeah. of human psychology and just going for a direct outcome? You can repeat over and over. Or do you think that's just part of it as a whole? Because there's a lot of human psychology involved. I'm sure. Yeah, I think. I think being able to, the light side of it. I think not getting stuck in the mode that I almost just got stuck in is the light side of it, right? Like, if you're, if you're able to be calculated and, and methodical and manipulative, I think manipulative has an interesting connotation, but, but manipulative without being negatively manipulative, um, I would say that's the light side of it, and I think that as long as we remember to play on that side, then everything's fine. I don't know, this just got really heady. I'm going to breathe now. Well, kind of a break. The, the idea of being manipulative is not a negative thing is an interesting thing. I've always taken interest in that idea because people always just think if you're manipulative, it's negative. I always think of it more as you go into a social, social situation or something along those lines and you want a certain outcome and you think about what you, how you're going to present yourself, what you're going to do in order to get the outcome you want. Not necessarily just to control other people, but to steer them in the right direction to get something to occur. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we get manipulated all the time. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm wearing a, a V-neck that came from a store that I was manipulated into becoming a customer at because their sizes tend to fit me better. I like the looks of their shirts more. Um, you know, news between news between popular culture, media, uh, commercials. Right, commercials are great uh, if you want to look at at positive manipulation. Um, and some people say it's it's negative manipulation, but I I, I disagree. I, if I think, they if they don't like the concept of consumerism in general, I think. Yeah. Right. You know, and consumerism is 
ultimately up to your own control, right? And that's why I think it's a positive because I think I think if someone's doing uh, a campaign properly, uh, I think I think it's a positive thing. I think I think manipulation doesn't have to be a, a, a bad thing. Consumerism, of course, is a, is a problem. You know, like like anything else can be a problem, but. Um, yeah, it's funny because we that word is so loaded, right? Like, don't manipulate me. You're such a manipulator. You're such a manipulative little oh, yeah. bitch. Like, yeah, okay, but but manipulation at the end of the day, uh, you know, rolling a coin across your fingers is, is manipulation, right? Um, Jack, yeah, yeah. So you manipulate a camera. You manipulate the lights. I don't know. It's interesting language. Yeah, we should have the definition and all of its different meanings pop up on the screen. <laughs> yeah, manipulation. Get a little education. With the little phonetic alphabet? Yeah. Cool. I like that. For our non-English viewers. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to phonetically pronounce things. Do you have non-English viewers? We have no idea. Okay. I, I look I look at the analytics occasionally. YouTube's good for that. You can see where They're countries are. Canadian. It is, yeah. Some, sometimes you, there, there are, like, bot accounts or, like, just people get paid, watch YouTube videos all day to rack up, mm. you know, ad revenue for people or whatever that sometimes trickle over to other people's videos, but I don't know. Maybe we're not that big yet. We're, we're we're still growing, and that's why we appreciate you being on because you oh, are a, you're an influencer and a creator of sorts. <laughs> how that means? You live in the Niagara region, or I do. You do. Okay. Yeah. How how long have you been here? Yeah, uh, that's a trickier answer. I think officially four months, but I float back and forth. I floated oh, back okay. and forth for a while. Now I'm just back because I've gotten. The four, I keep saying four, but I don't know, maybe it's five restaurants. Um, so the, the four or five recurring gigs hmm. in the region. So I'm, I, I kind of came back officially. Uh, Where are you going to? February. Between Toronto or? Yeah. 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 Toronto. Okay. Toronto. Spent some time in New York. Um, but but that was, that was fun. Yeah. Um, but no, Niagara's, Niagara's home. Um, I like Niagara because. I reduced my hours working by about five, five or six. So I work five or six times less than I did in Toronto. And I work in the field that I love uh, full time now. I mean, full time. I work, I don't know, I guess I work 10 hours a week now. Um, and I, I have basically doubled, doubled if not close to tripled my income from what I was making in Toronto. And in Toronto, I was not working... Uh, full time in the the field that I wanted to be in, i.e., performing arts and. Can we talk ballpark numbers for a ten hour work week for income? Sure. I'd be curious because you have very unique talent. I mean, you should be paid accordingly. But yeah, damn, if you're living off that, that's good for you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very, very lucky, man. Um, I I don't I don't want to throw out uh, specific numbers per restaurant. We understand that it, it might vary a lot. But yeah 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 no so just to give you a perspective, um, let's okay so removing gigs yeah so any private events any corporate so something events, that's more recurring just, just the restaurants yeah, yeah just just those um, and removing the tips from that. Uh, depending on the performer, and I won't speak to myself personally, um, because I, I fit into this bracket. But, yeah. but uh, the standard rate of pay is about one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty dollars for a two-hour block. Okay. So if you do the math on that in a year, um, you're 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 okay. You, know, you, you can make yeah. Especially, I imagine there's got to be some context where tipping is more appropriate than others, and you probably do get tips, I guess. 
Yeah, you know what? To be honest with you, I don't. Um, no. But I, I play. I say play. Everything I do now, I, I consider play. Uh, after meeting people and letting them interact with me, I used to say thank you for letting me join you. But it created this weird incongruency. I wear these these funny, really like pinstripe kind of dress pants that are a throwback to kind of the 1920s, I think, vaudevillian performers, and this V-neck. And then I wear this blue blazer when I go in. The, the rule is, if I'm wearing this at the end or at the beginning of a night, don't bug me. Like, I'm not I'm not performing. If I'm like this, then I'm, I'm on. But if I'm sitting at the bar, or I'm, I'm done, or I'm sitting at dinner, and I have this on, I typically don't perform in this. And it created a cool contrast, because if this goes on and people ask me, I say, you know what, the jacket's on. I'm, I'm done for the hmm. day. Um, my, my persona is a little bit... Uh, it's it's a high status persona that I play. I used to play very low status because it was like sweater vests, polyester bow ties, this brace faced seventeen year old that would come up and do this fast talking thing in restaurants. But I changed because now I grew a beard. I got rid of the braces, and I just I just manlyed a little bit. You know, <laughs> I grew up. Um, so I say I don't take the tips because. I like creating such a powerful interaction with people and my favorite thing to do is is kind of create this peak and before I can get them to the ultimate reveal. So so for example, I had um a couple I was sitting with yesterday and I had her think of a first date or a or a fun date night activity. Okay. And long story short, she was thinking kissing in the rain as like a, a romantic little thing to do with, with your partner. And with him, we tried to get down to what she was thinking specifically. And I walked her through, we do this, this like imagination game of before you get to do this activity, like some people say, like go to the zoo, I get them to see themselves at home, leave their house to go do this thing. And I use the guy to read her and to get there together to see what she was thinking. And I had my little pad, and I'm, I'm drawing what I think she might be thinking, and I'm crossing stuff out. And then I write, or I draw, I draw an umbrella, some some raindrops, and I, I put some lips, and I, and I and I write the word kiss because I'm not that great of an artist. And I fold it up and I give it to him, and I say, I think we got it, and I think I think you were right there, and I think this is what she's specifically thinking of. Uh, her name was Miranda, and I say, don't don't tell us, Miranda, but when I leave, open it, and then, and then discuss how how close we got. Uh, I say my name is Alex. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for thanks for playing. And I say playing. Um, have a great night. And I, I leave before that idea can even come into their mind. Hmm. Um, and then they open the paper and they freak out while I'm not there, which I kind of like. I like that final reveal to happen when I'm not even there anymore, because then it's about them and it's about them kind of getting to discuss and, and go, what the hell just happened, instead of me having to be there and then kind of go. That was great, right? <laughs> that was cool. They came back up to you afterwards? Um, yeah, actually, they they asked me to come back, uh, and they offered money at that point. So that does happen, but then I say no. <laughs> so I don't, I just, I prefer not to, I, I don't, I'd rather they tip the servers. The server's wage has that gap that accounts for what they make in tips. i rather work at a restaurant where the servers go, I make better money when you work and that that has happened that has been said to me at, at nearly every restaurant I'm at right now where the servers will tell me mm-hmm. when I'm in on a night they make better tips because so good networking method I would say yeah you're gonna they're yeah. gonna get to know your name pretty quick yeah hmm. yeah I, I think it's I don't know I don't worry too much about networking I think I think no. Steve Martin has one of my favorite quotes if you're 
uh, he said he said be so good they can't ignore you yeah you know I don't know I think networking's in, in principle that sounds excellent that sounds really hard to achieve for most things but yeah hmm. does it I don't know I, I'm not a performer so maybe it doesn't make sense in my world but fair I mean I, I my day job is I build houses I try to be really good at that but yeah. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe I wouldn't be ignored and I'd get more raises, but I don't think I need that because I think I get them at the appropriate rate. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know if I can apply that to my life. I did like a good decade. I don't know if you ever knew this. Um, no big deal anyways, but I did a good decade of stage hypnosis. Yes. I, and by good decade, I mean the first five years weren't all that good, but the last five years were pretty good, but it was a good decade overall. <laughs> and when I started performing at the colleges, my mentality, and it seemed to work, and I, I think it's, it's the same for a lot of hypnotists, is you may, it, it's, like, I mean, you, you want to be your, you, you, you want people to kind of remember you, but at the same time, I was always falling back because the people that came up on stage were the show. So then it's less about me, less about you when they're opening the, the paper and seeing the kissing in the rain type thing. But it, it always seemed to work. And then at the end of the show, I got to watch because people would go up to the people that were on stage and talk to them. So they, I don't know, it was kind of you creating little mini celebrities and they felt pretty good about themselves. And it was, it was just kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. I like, I like how you frame that because so many, uh, not necessarily stage hypnotists, I think, I think good stage hypnotists don't do this and I think that they're smart not to, but I think so many performers, just the ego, right? Me, 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 me. And that's that when I let go of that, and I don't think I ever had it too, too bad. I'm, I'm lucky in that sense because I had good mentors, but so many magicians and, and some hypnotists, um, even comedians, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting really jaded and sick of the, the stand-up comedy scene because it's so much ego and me, 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 me. And, you know, these people that are nobodies, you know, and I, and I, I include myself in that category. It's just like, who are you? Um, and they, they treat people like they're, like they're somehow superior, you know? And, and I like to hear that you would, you would put the focus on them. One of my good friends, uh, one of my good friends, Dave Curran, who's the, the, the bad boy of hypnosis. He used to do a thing on 102.1 The Edge. He literally in his show has a line where he says, um, when I'm done, uh, please give these folks a round of applause because without them, there is no show. They are the real stars. Enjoy your night. And he, and he kind of, and then he goes into the, the, the awake sequence, the awakening sequence. And, um, and that's a cool moment because not just people on stage, but the audience realizes Oh yeah, like they were good enough to play, you know, and yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Killer. Um, for me, I think the 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 sign out line was essentially like you know because uh, Niagara College had a had a bar and it, there was a bunch of glass windows and I could only imagine if people didn't know what was going on because when you see a comedian, you can almost kind of tell they're they're telling jokes when you see somebody playing guitar, but when you see somebody on stage. And there's people on stage running around like velociraptors. If you're watching from the outside, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So I always said, you know, like, thank you for coming. It's amazing for you all to be here. Uh, there's something that really just can't be described with what is being done. Um, it would probably look very, very weird from the outside. And then at the end of the day, it isn't... It, 
it, it's the people that came on stage, but it's also the people that didn't come on stage because if nobody showed up in the end, like I think most performers do call out without the audience, there is no show. It's mm -hmm. just a guy standing hoping that somebody will come. And Except for musicians at bars. For some reason, they keep playing when there's nobody there. It's a recurring theme in our lives. We went to, we were in Florida and we went to a bar. In Nashville. Well, I guess no, that one was in Florida. Multiple times. The, the one in Nashville, there were still people performing. But when we went to the bar in Florida, there's a guy on stage. And it, it's just a mentality that you're paid to play, I guess, because he was just playing to nobody. Yeah. And it, it's, I think he definitely had more fun when there was at least four people in the, in the crowd. But that would be... That would be something to just sit. I mean, yeah, if you get paid for it, yes, you're getting paid for it. But even going into it thinking uh, I got to play at the bar at 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. on a Wednesday, you're not no. you're not hitting peak time anyways. But. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think at that at that rate, you hit it right on the nose when you say you know if you're being paid, I just just be grateful. I mean, mm -hmm. just treat it like a paid. Practice, yeah, round, I would like a practice session if you're a musician, you know. And I, I disagree. I, having said that, I almost instantly wanted to like <laughs> reset the words back in my mouth. I don't think I, think I don't think you should be practicing if you're in public being paid. I think you should still be performing to some extent. But but if there's no one there, yeah, you can you can kind of I don't know maybe um, try something different. Maybe there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good a good thing. But also, you know, one of the one of my favorite stories that I bring up a lot, and I think I've brought it up on a podcast before. Because you have your own podcast too, right? I have my own podcast. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I put it on pause. I have about twenty episodes that are recorded sitting on my on my laptop right now because I. It's not my preferred medium, and it was a lot of fun. And I'll get them out. They need to be edited, but it's just not my priority because it's not at all a money maker or it's literally just you know. a passion project, right? Yeah. It's. It's uh, and it's great. It's great fun, um, but for now, it's it's uh, it's my back burner piece. Um, but I think, I think it was, it wasn't on mine, but it was on someone else's podcast. And there was a couple, my friends, uh, Sophie and Jacob, they're Australian and you can Google them, but I think they go by Dream State Circus, Dream State Circus, Sophie and Jacob, and they have a beautiful daughter. Um, but before their daughter, I think was born, they were performing in Abu, I want to say Abu Dhabi. So I think, I think it was, it doesn't matter. They're, they're in the Middle East. They're doing their street show, their buskers. They do a full, I want to say like 60 minute circus show, hand balancing, fire, couple like partner juggling, partner acro, the works. And it's a really good show. They're amazing. They're incredible. They're, they're probably top five, if not top three, uh, duo busking circus type performers in the world. They were trying to wrangle a crowd and it just, no one no one it was like one guy stopped but they did the show for that one guy they did their full hour show with the same energy that they would have for 300 people and when they played toronto i saw them at toronto busker fest probably about three years ago i love that they easily easily have three to five hundred people any show they perform because they start the show with um, loud and fire and funny comedy moments. Sophie's, uh, she's a tank, and but gorgeous. Jacob's a good-looking guy and also just a tank. They're both built like, you know, like brick houses. Um, and they do this full show, and, and they're telling me this story at, at uh, this was actually Niagara Falls when Niagara Falls tried to do the Busker Fest thing, like the one year that, that they had in the falls. And they're telling the story on, on the bar, and 
it turns out that one guy that they did their hour show for with the same energy and the same work, they didn't, they didn't just call it quits, mm-hmm. was a big oil baron of some kind. And he says, what would it cost me to have you do this show for my corporate party? Mm-hmm. And they gave him their rate. Uh, they ended up making $250,000 off of one gig for that guy. Awesome. And they opened up a circus school in Australia that I think to this day is open. Cool. So with the musician that's playing an empty bar. You never know never who's going to walk know. in. I guess. Yeah. yeah it's a, Especially one in, a million. in Nashville when we were there and they were just playing. We're sitting. Yes, we went to... A, like it would have been different being in one of the original bars, but even Alan Jackson's bar, there were people that have been discovered there. So when you're a young magician or magician, musician or magician, I guess if Nashville wanted to change things up and you're thinking, okay, so -so so-and-so was discovered here and maybe legend has it that so-and-so was discovered here on a Monday night. I have to, I have to give it my all because you never know. Maybe those Canadians are the biggest Canadian record dealers in Canada. I mean, where else are you going to really go, I guess, if you're on a trip to, to Nashville other than the main bars in the Strip anyways? So it's not that, I guess, un- unlikely that somebody that's a big shot that comes by. Oh, yeah. There's lots, lots of people go to Nashville, for sure, for country music tourism. It's a lot of fun, anyways. Yeah. Um, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville was fun. Cool. When did you go? Uh, about a month ago. We went and we... April. We- Drove from here to Florida, stayed the night in Nashville, and in one of the worst hotels ever. Oh, God, ever. it was terrible. Yeah. 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 We yeah. don't have to be in the traveling traveling life as a musician to experience a bad hotel. Yeah. Thought we were going to be robbed. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And giant windows in the hotel. You'd think they'd... Huge. Shrink them up. But, um, my que- I have a, I have a few questions that I wanted to ask, and I've been silent for the majority of this I because know quite. Eric's been bugging me over here. Near, well, near I I've, I've talked to you more, and there's some yeah. I don't know. You're you're hypnotizing. I enjoy listening. Oh, I appreciate that. I just settle down, otherwise the head doesn't fit through the door on that way out. Well, you're pretty tall too, so it's almost. Almost. When you're performing, there there's there's a few kind of questions based around that we mentioned negative energy mm. but how do you deal with somebody who's get, like, on stage I haven't seen you had to deal with a heckler so I don't know that but how, how do you deal maybe in a restaurant or do you just do one trick and walk away like do you ever defend yourself in front of a heckler or if they say something because um, I, I get it sometimes where They'll say, oh, photography is not a real job. And I'm sure <laughs> I've had that happen countless times. And for you, yours is even more um, kind of not out there, but a little Esoteric. bit. Esoteric. Yeah. Yeah. So I, w- I would wonder, have you ever, ever got that where people are like, you know, oh, negative? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's interesting. Uh, hold on. That. There was a lot to that question. I'm going to break that down. Um, <laughs> The, okay, so let, let's start at the back and then work our way to the front. Um, when someone says, oh, like, so what do you do for, like, your day job? All um, the time. I, and I love that because, you know, I, I told you some numbers and I was purposefully vague just in case there's other magicians yeah. watching. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Magicians. No, but, and, and this answer, I think, will help a lot of young magicians. Penn and Teller watch this all the time. I don't doubt it. Penn's <laughs> been known to troll. Um, when, when, funny. uh... I brought my girlfriend to your show. She didn't know, and I didn't want to tell her. And she's met Penn and Teller, 
And I, I want to, I want to go to Vegas. So when I was dropping hints, I said, okay, so tomorrow night involves an evening with a gentleman who has met and dealt with a, a, a duo that you have met and dealt with, but I haven't met and dealt with, and she still didn't get it. Really? It's purposely vague, but... That's fair, but that, that's, yeah, that's hard, you know. Yeah, duo, duo, yeah, but if you don't know, like, the frame or the context, I could see that. It's okay. I, I, hope, I hope you guys had fun. It was oh, fun. It, was, it was fun. Uh, We're going to come back. She has please. a friend who's really going to like it. So. Cool. Great. I appreciate that. Um, so, first things first. What do you do? With, like, what's your day job? I used to get so offended. Yeah, I was bartending at one point. I, I stepped away from magic for, like, five years, close to five I'd years. You'd still be a good bartender, though. And... Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, bartending was a lot of fun. It was like, I, I felt like I needed a real job, and I chose bartending. But I had never worked a quote-unquote real job, like where there's, uh, you know, someone else in charge, and that they tell you what hours you have to show up. I had never done that before, so I did that for five years. And it was fun, and I learned a lot, and I'm glad I did it. But people would still say that when I was bartending, and then I realized, oh, this isn't just magic that people say this. Is. People say this when you're bartending. It's a lot of jobs. You know, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because I wonder if like neurosurgeons ever get it, you know, like, so what do you do? Like, is this the only thing you do? Or do you, do you also like, do you maybe do a photography or do you maybe like, like magic? Next time I'm getting neurosurgery, I'm doing it. I'm going to tell them. Absolutely. So what's your real job, doctor? Like, do you have a, do you, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it's just, it's just such a, it's insecurity at its finest peak, right? It's, it's, I am so dissatisfied with my life or I am so blatantly ignorant that I need to phrase this question up. If it's a legitimate curiosity, ignorant question and you, you, you think, oh, like, okay, well, what, what, what do you do to pay your bills? Even, even if that's the frame, it's still wrong. There's, there's nothing more insulting, I think, than someone saying that. And I think that if you don't have the social filter to not ask that wretched question, you shouldn't leave your house. I mean, that's the same person that is, is just a dick to the Starbucks barista because they screwed up yeah. their latte. Like, yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, Louis C.K. did the great bit about, about flying, right? Like, everything's amazing and nobody's happy. I think that's 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 the epitome of, of what that yeah. is. Um, you can tell that I'm still tense about it. I, I think people that don't have any business framework and they don't understand how you make really make money from anything they just know what established businesses look like really don't have the creative mindset to understand how somebody can turn something they love into something that makes money yeah and, and to be fair most times the people that ask that aren't entrepreneurs or people that have worked for the man yep. for, for their whole lives they and uh, I don't think I've ever gotten that from an entrepreneur right it's if from entrepreneurs I get you know, how can I help you? Where can I hire you? Do you have a card? From from people that, yeah, that have worked the I same nine to five for 30 years, it's uh, it's what's your real job? And and it's it's so, it's too bad. And I used to get, I used to get threatened or insulted or insecure, but now, and this ties into the heckler piece, I don't defend myself. I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm not a clown. And I don't say clown in a derogatory sense because Uncle Val in the show is a character clown. So I do love clowning. I studied and trained in clown, but that said, the persona that I usually present in the restaurants or in my theater show, I, and this is the other secret, I script everything. <laughs> if you think that you're original or, or new in some way with your comment, not you specifically, but a person, the truth is I've probably, and you've probably heard it, and you, uh, dozens of times, in maybe different words, but... Um, if I hear, can you make my wife disappear? My go-to answer for a long time was, I do magic, not miracles. It gets a laugh. 
but I'm, I'm currently working with my mentor. It's a funny line. I'm working with my mentor to make the woman the hero of that and put the guy in his place without being on his side. Because right now it's, I'm on his side and I'm putting down the woman even more, which isn't me and it's and it, I don't think it's appropriate or funny. I think it gets a laugh because it, it throws you off. Like I do magic, not miracles. It's like, whoa, he just went there. But that's not the right reason for something to be funny. Um, so l- lately my response has been, uh, can you make my wife disappear? And I say, have you tried airplane mode? And then I look at her and I go, cause she knows all about it. And, and that, that creates an interesting <laughs> dynamic rather than, you know, yeah. but it's all scripted. Um, and I like making it sound like it's off the cuff, but you know, you look at Robin Williams on David Letterman and then you look at him 10 years prior, or maybe not 10, but five years prior on a different talk show. It's a lot of the same stuff and it feels so organic on Letterman, but that's why Williams was a genius because they were lines that he would have said hundreds of times before when he was writing them, crafting them, getting them down to their essence. And then he just had this repertoire of thousands of lines that he could throw into a conversation. So I don't defend myself. I do deal with hecklers. And now I'm just, I'm just more ready. Uh, your name is, well, shouldn't you know you're the mind reader? And I go, I knew you were going to say that. And then I carry on. They have nothing to come back to that with. Because how do you get out of that? Because I don't care what your name is, bud. If you want to play that game, if you're so high and mighty and, and you want to put me down, I'm just going to go... I knew you were going to say that. And you can't disprove me because that's proving a negative. And I don't have to prove that I know your name because we're playing on my field, bud. Right? So it's, it's you, you, no matter what you lose. But that's not me defending myself. Defending myself would be having some gimmicked way of like a blank piece of paper with a secret way of writing while they weren't looking. Maybe I have someone else write it for me. And I go, no, no, I have it written right here. What's your name? I'm not telling you. No, no, tell me. Okay, it's Harry. And then like a third hand comes up and writes Harry really fast. And then I go, see, I told you it's Harry. That would have been old me, right? That's like the defensive approach. Now, I just, it's all scripting. And the show at one point, I go, you know, if you could have any superpower in the world, what superpower would you have? Would you, what, what, if you could have any superpower in the world, what superpower would you have? Invisibility. Invisibility. Yeah. Where do you go? Where do you go? How bad? Crazy. That was right? But little moments like that. And I have to go, there's only six or seven things that people could give me. How can I react to these lines, right? Yeah. And that that creates. You can moments. definitely set up pretty much any given superpower, and and then just like I guess memorize that from the vet. Because there's there's go to ones. Nobody's gonna pitch up really crazy. You guarantee because your show ends with somebody wanting to be a mind reader. So you guarantee that at some point, especially at a mentalism show, you'll have somebody who says, "I'd like to be a mind reader." Mind reader. Yeah. And that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. You're. I don't know if it. I, I, the the show um i found to be a perfect personification of how i know you cool only in the sense that it was weird you weren't i so i didn't know what to expect the the humor was out there but on point i know nobody has context to this but you should go see it you too as well Oh, yeah. Do you have stuff you do online in video format somewhere? I do. Not of the show. Not of the show. This there's show. There's a trailer. There's like a teaser, but I've deleted it since. Oh. Uh, I, I found that it gave too much away. So I, okay. I yeah, I just, I just got rid of it. Um, I, I like that though. I, I love that you guys are videographers. I, I am part of an art form that has been around for 2000 years and it has been trivialized 
by, you know, 21st century magicians have taken an art form that is inherently wonderful, mysterious, with the capability of inducing wonder and amazement, and just rendered it Turned it into a TV show, just, The Magic Greatest Secrets. And, see, I yeah, don't that's, even... That's fine. I don't even... I don't see any point going that far with it. It'd be good to have, like, just promotional content, just a small snippet, just people understand yeah. Yeah. what's going on, I would and think. And seeing that, but that's operating from a frame of, I wish I wish people to understand. And I, I'm not sure that I do. And no. That's, that's my biggest... I, my I suppose not, not understand the, the material itself, but just understand... Oh, this person does this. Right. My, That'd be interesting. My way of right. framing, if you were to say, like, right now I need something different or I need something that shows that I'm amazing people, but I don't want to show the act. Essentially what it would be is the focus would be on the person that's on stage and we're talking, like, deep focus or the, the audience and you're way out of focus. So anything you're doing, be it just the general mind reading or the the superpower trick or your you can get reactions on people you get sure. reactions because reactions are what, because people are going to be like well, what the hell are they looking yeah, at that creates a sense of mystery that's how i would do it so that way your show is fresh sh there's nothing shown yeah but people are like okay these people are getting excited i want to know why and then i mean show off I mean, you do use pyrotechnics in your show to show just a little bit of a flame, not giving away any of the trick, just to be like, ooh, and yeah. there's fire. Yeah. You strike the, the primitive Prime, side of people. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I would do it. Because I, I think even I mean, it's, some of the kind of neatest magic tricks I've learned have been from magic stores, mm. like actual like magic stores versus some people who go online and they'll YouTube it. And I think that the magic store idea, there's one, I can't remember the name of it, in Kitchen Waterloo mm -hmm. that I really like. I do it mostly for my nephews now. Okay. It's fun. They yeah. love it. It's good. When I was a kid, there was a book in my, my school library. I just read that. It had like diagrams of how to do like the See, that's one I learned like floating, floating under like a blanket or like cut the saw trick and all that stuff. It, it was pretty cool. Pretty informative. So how did you... We talked about it now that now that we're at a kid's stage. You've had a long career in in it, but what, what was the catalyst? What made you... Because for me, when I started Hypnosis, it was at the CNE, I saw Mike Mandel. Yeah. Hooked. Just yeah. done. Completely hooked, 100%. What was your catalyst when yeah. you were younger? Was it somebody? Was it something? I think... I think when I was five, I saw a magician in a library, but I, I don't remember that. I just, that's been a story that my mom has told me since. Um, it's a big she, story. Yeah, she got me a magic kit uh, when I was six. I was six, so I remember my sixth birthday. My, my birthday is early, it's in January. And I started playing with it. Um, and then her good, like a, a good friend of hers got me VHS's as I got to seven and eight and it was the Mark Wilson complete course in magic and Mark who's still alive was the first person pre-David Blaine pre anybody in North America anyway to bring magic to television and he did very very well um, with magic on TV I think back in the 60s and 70s um, I had his like VHS tapes and I just started playing and I got hooked, man. I, I don't know. I think, um, I mean, the, the typical story of, of the only child that learns this this tool or this craft that he can hopefully make friends with, right? At the end of the day, I think that's what it was about. Is But it won't get you laid. 
laid. No, I saw no, that yeah, post. Yeah, magic won't get you laid. Yeah. Yeah, it's another hour and a half chat. We can have it on a different day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean really, right, that's that's what it was. Is it's how do I make friends? And I think that's what magic that's what that's what cemented it and made it keep coming back. Because it was a phase, but it was a phase that just never stopped phasing me. There were other phases within the phase. I wanted to be an astronaut at one point. I wanted to be a basketball player. But magic was the through line through and through. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm lucky. Yeah. You know? I'm excited for when I have kids because nothing against my parents. One was blind, so it kind of nicks that. But I had the magic kids growing up. And I got them when I was young. I remember not being able to understand them. And I found one like a while ago. And the tricks are simple. But for kids, they're effective because they confuse my nephews. Mm -hmm. So I know they're good. But I got thinking, if I now went back to teach my younger self... Could you do my it? My younger self would have loved it. Because yeah. when I show my nephews how to do something, they love it. And then I'm just thinking, my kids, if they're even slightly like me, they'll they'll get a kick out of it. Into it, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, kids are cool. Kids are really cool for that. So do you have, do you have different... Because you, you'll do private events. Do you have different... I nod to that like I would, but you know what? Tricks. You know how many knows I've sent people? I don't, I don't do private, I do, but it's very, very rare. It's because, and, you know, do you deal with negative people or hecklers? It's like you said you build houses. Yeah. Or clients, with, you know how happy I am to say no to people now? I just, if I don't feel, like, if someone says, hey, can you build this house? And, and you get the, the lay of, of the, the ground where they want to build it, and it's just not safe. Like, it's just not like it's a, it's like, not it's it's like it's like you know some 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 good earth but then like you do a land inspection and it's just like it's water a and sinkhole yeah it's a sinkhole right. and you go nah like i'm not building a house there <laughs> like peace that, I've, I've been doing that so much so, so i'm nodding like yeah i'll do private and then, and then no i i i really i ooh, i do but i don't um so let's let's say that I do. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just I got excited. Oh no! Now now destroys the question. I was oh, just no, I I've done my research. I've been on your website a few times, and it does in the frequently asked questions. It does distinctly say you won't do kids events. But have you in the past? Because as you said, over over the course of time, your look has changed. I, right. I, I've went back on your Facebook. I've done your research. I've, I've been intrigued about where you've come from. And your look has definitely went from a more stereotypical. You're also a good juggler too, right? You do juggling. Juggling, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Man. Thanks, yeah. So you're, you're you you look That's more like a magician before, right. and then now you're a jack of all of these mystical trades. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think. A rich inner life is how I describe it. Because I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I just want to have, I want to have like one or maybe two things that I'm really, really good at. And I want to, like if someone wants a, like an elite level luxury entertainer that does mystery arts, like psychic or, or magic type entertainment, I want them to first think of me. Um, but I draw from, a, yeah, why? Yeah, you know, unicycling, fire breathing, juggling. I did stunts for TV and film, uh, acting pieces. Uh, you know, emceeing, stand-up comedy. I mean, I worked with, with Yuck Yucks for a while and, and um, emceed, but also did just straight stand-up. Um, How are you... Um, I'm not bad-mouthing anybody. Well, I won't go specifically. But it was just interesting to me. How tight are you with your master ceremonies from your show 
David Green. Yeah. I'm pretty tight with him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my, and it's not a, it's, it's just a creative yeah. uh, acknowledgement. I saw him perform in St. Catharines yeah. at least a year and a half ago. Yeah. Or two years. And it always, you know how you said that, like, comedians, you're, you're almost kind of done with them. I recognized him right away. Yeah. And I thought, how often do you see an up, like a, a comedian who isn't like a headliner right. that you get to see a second time? Right. But his show was the same. The jokes were the same. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's why David Green is having the success he's having. Because he, you know, Bruce Lee, uh, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. I, I think any, I'll speak to my art. I think you can have a really phenomenal career in magic with a handful of tricks. I say tricks, I don't like that word, but effects. A handful of effects. Five to ten. Yeah, five to ten. If that. I mean, now, because of video, you have, you're forced to, to be more, which is good, right? You know, but if you're saying, I saw a show and it was the same. Yeah, good. Because if, if, if he in a year and a half has decided that that is the right path and that is getting him laughs, that's fine because he doesn't care about necessarily the guy like you who will see him twice in a year and a half. He cares about the new client that will book him. He's the only stand-up that I know in our region who is 100% clean. And, he is clean. Yeah. And he doesn't do anything to embarrass or upset the audience. And those two things are so hard to find. I don't know anybody now who's alive. I know very, very few guys. No one locally that I, that I know that can riff with the audience and create a sense of inclusion and be intelligent about potential heckles or, you know, not go to stock lines that just put down the other person, like intelligently take heckling. So yeah, sorry. Um, note on David Green. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But that, it's a good point. It's like, it, it was the same. And I mean, to someone that has seen them again, that's why I try and change up the shows, but there are definitely pieces or moments that have come up in other shows. You know, it's not, it's not going to be brand new, but they're, Good moments. Your show, which I don't know now. Now I'm second guessing the comment about the about David because your show you did when you when you answer the questions. I mm. saw you do very similar at uh, Rise Above. Rise Above, yeah, yeah. And that I think has rewatchability because every every time it's 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 different. It's the same in kind of the opening but it's very different and I think that that's I mean I guess technically it would be the difference between something that's audience controlled I guess comedy is audience controlled too so I don't know I'll take it back I suppose it, it makes sense it was, it was just half dozen of the other excuse me what Jesse's talking about is um, it's a moment where people I, I think now the scripting is please write down uh hope, a fear, or a question, but make it meaningful to you. So not something like, I hope to win the lottery, because frankly, I just don't care. Yeah, um, lots of people. Yeah, and, uh, and then, and then and they, they crumple it up into a ball, they throw it into a bowl, and, and we, we play with that. Well, you say crumple. I specifically went against what you said in hopes that you would grab mine, and you did. Oh, perfect. I, I folded. Perfect. You, you commented on the fold. Perfect. Yeah, I did. I totally did. That's hilarious. Were you trying to... Okay, we'll get into that off camera. That's hilarious. I love that you did. That's great. That's great. Um, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something. 
I don't know. No, I, I don't know. That's great. I'm glad. Um, negative hecklers. Did I answer the first question? The original one? Going back? I think I did. Yeah, I... Does that, is that suitable as an answer? You're better at staying on topic than we are by a long shot. Yeah. I think... I, but but that, that's my job here. I don't need to stay on topic. You're my guest. You know, you're I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys are doing You great. definitely did answer I'm just it. Maybe the illusion of on topic. Um, just in the sense that I'm sure. Well, I, like like we had said before, you've you've diffused people, and then there are some people that wouldn't be diffused. You don't deal with hecklers traditionally. You do have your rehearsed. Uh, replies, which you, you which was in. the first bit, yeah. And we have our rehearse bits as well when we're doing photo because we we know how to deal with people and we've learned and yeah. we even do try to get a laugh too because it it diffuses the situation very well. Um, yeah, no, you you definitely answered that question. It's funny because you're calling back that question, but we're on another one. like we've been on so many other tangents anyway. So that's what this is for. I feel like conversations are like the dinner plates at the Mandarin. You know, like you take oh. one, it's a little bit dirty, so you take another one, you put the other one back. You take that one, but then like your friend, he was going to see you lift this one up, you take the next one, you give it to them, then another friend, but then you put that one back because that one was dirty and it's just, and it floats up. I think that's how conversations are. I think we're going to be very hungry by the end of this because we're talking about several restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. We rise above. I guess that's a, it's a vegan audience. Well, it was a cl- it was closed. They they did it. They oh, did it was the restaurant closed. Uh, right. Yeah, you're thinking of the restaurant being open and me walking up. This one was we cleared out the tables, put chairs in. Tila and I went and just used it as a venue. Transformed yeah. oh, okay. it into a little venue. Yeah. I thought it was while people. It were was here. very intimate. It was very. It was very well done. Thanks. That man. was again Thanks. the first time. Because without seeing you perform and really only talking to Monica or something like that, she'll she'll catalog you. I don't know if she's ever seen you perform, but she'll say magician. And then unfortunately that it, like we had said, it's such a wide range. You could tell you're not typical just because of even being in a office supply store, you're like, you're a hundred percent you. And then seeing you perform, I got it. I I understood kind of exactly what it was. And I was intrigued. You, you build an atmosphere very well. Oh, thanks. I see. I I don't, I don't feel any of that. I'm still like, Oh, it's all shit. I need to get in. Oh, this is crap. I need to start over again. Um, so I'm glad that's good. That's good. I'll just keep doing. Are you familiar with the concept of imposter syndrome? Yeah, I suffer from it daily. I suffer from it daily. I'm standing in front of the executive producers for NBC at one point, shaking their hand, and they're saying to me, that was great. We'll definitely be in touch. Please make sure you leave so-and-so with your information. Uh, really, really well done. And, and I, and I what, what the, f- what, what? Um, but, then, but then equally I see guys on TV doing the stupidest, simplest garbage, and I'm like, how are you? And everyone's like fawning over it, right? And I'm like, but you can say that about actors too, right? You go, sorry, Green Lantern was a movie, right? Like, what? But, but he got paid, you know, yeah. he, he did it. And like, I can't judge him for that. I just, um, he judged himself in the, in the most recent movie and I'll leave it at that. I just, oh, I just oh it was great. Oh watched, yeah. Watched Deadpool, Deadpool, yeah. yeah. You, okay, so you guys see it, but you know, but I love that, that Reynolds, A, was smart enough in his career to go, if I'm just this good looking, like rom-com hunk, I have a very short career. If I prove to the masses that I can be funny and I can have the most 
screwed up face of, of I would say nearly any Marvel franchise yeah, yeah. Uh, and play it and play it well the guy has set him up for a lifetime career now because he's proven that he has chops not only as as a writer but also as as a comedic performer which I think is great um, and it's no surprise because if you can play drama you can play comedy you know it's 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 not uh, it's not a, a wide step in fact I think that if you can play drama well you can be a stronger comedian than the guy that can just play um comedy but uh, yeah imposter syndrome please carry on because I, I love that you just said that because I suffer I don't, from it daily I don't know it's probably a much more widespread thing pretty much anybody who's trying to perfect something in their life like I know in, in university it was a very common occurrence and people may not have used those words to describe it but in, even myself I felt it you get opportunities presented to you all the time and you kind of get the feeling like why do I even deserve this like I know what I know all the flaws in the thing I just handed in to you you told me it was good I don't believe you right. it's, it's, it's very strange as a, as a concept and you know it, it sounds like you would be occurring like interacting with that uh, that feeling very often given what you're doing yeah. yeah, and it doesn't help that a lot of the people I associate with aren't lay people, right? Right, and I say lay people, but they're they're magicians in in, in some way or another. And I I've been trying to change that radically because no offense, but Jesse isn't the kind of guy that I would go to after a show and say, "Do you have any notes for me?" Because he sees it from a different perspective, and I and I will, and I and I in time probably hope to next mess you at Beatties or whatever, but. Um, you know, the four or five guys that kind of stuck around after the show, one was an engineer, uh, one was a magician, the other one was an amateur magician and, and very talented hypnotist, and then the other guy was a videographer. So all four of them have a very analytical, Sean, sharp right? brain. Yeah, Sean, and Jimmy, with him. JJ, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, you went to school with him? Sean Ferguson. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just moved to Toronto. Sad day. But... Yes, because I think, and it just proves how subjective this is, but I also, I love that, you know, sometimes I stay up at night going, okay, what's, what's a better beat for this? Or what's, what's, what's a better moment? And, and then eventually they, they come to, um, the biggest problem with the first show, the preview show that you saw was just, uh, I didn't put enough openings and endings into it. And that was the biggest thing that I saw from a third perspective when I watched it back. And then when I showed my director, who's really the only person I care about, he just went, it's, it's fine, you know, tighten it up pacing wise. It was a first show, so just tighten it up, speed it up a little bit. But also, you're in North America. You need to have a very clear beginning and a very clear ending. Your, and your uh, intermission ending. Yeah. That was great. Oh, when thanks, you just man. When you walk off, won't spoil anything because if you're going to keep it. But yeah, again, just that weird... See, and you liked it, yeah, and, and then me, I, I got a lot of feedback from others that said I, I didn't get it, I wasn't sure what, and then it's like this uncomfortable feeling, but that's what I want to generate, it's just that might not be the right venue, and that's a conversation for another day, because the venue I'm in in, in the falls here... It took a long time to find, we got lost. Uh, and oh, then, interesting, okay. And then when we got there, I asked, is this the Alice Kazam show? And she's like, oh, the comedy show, and I'm like, eh. Right. So finally I had to pull out the 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 photo that you sent me and said is this it and she's like yeah because she the waitress didn't know interesting yeah see and that's that's that all needs to be fixed and tightened because so much of especially showbiz is is pre-framing right it's it's so contextual if I go to a show and it's Robin Williams I keep bringing him but but I mean I rest his soul I love the guy mm-hmm. um, if if it's Robin Williams you have a certain expectation of what you're in for. 
Uh, but if Robin Williams started to do beat poetry, I mean, he could probably pull yeah, it was a bad example, but, but if, if he started doing, um, like lyrical dancing, but non funny, you'd be a little bit like, what, what? But if they set it up as Robin Williams debuts his lyrical dance, and I'm like, very serious, you'd be like, okay, I'll go because it's Robin Williams. This is gonna be freaking weird. But I think still the context needs to be that all the staff know, okay, this, yes, it's Rob Williams, and yes, we're in a comedy setting, but he's not doing comedy, he's doing lyrical dance. Um, and I feel like that, yeah, all those things need to be tightened. And that's the conversation I need to have with the venue. And it's tough, man. Entertainment industry, what a, what a wacky, wacky thing. I mean, you know, you deal from it from the other side of that camera. Uh, I can't imagine some of the stuff you've gone through, but it's, it's just so crazy. And now everyone expects you to do your own thing. Like there's no such thing as management or agents anymore. There are at a certain level still, of course, but it used to be that even someone like me would have to be represented by an agent before approaching or being approached by anybody. Are the people not doing it or are they just not affordable for that kind of I, stage? I think the internet changed everything. Yeah. I don't even know if it's affordability as much as it is everyone with a video camera and access to a, a magic shop or a, or a DVD player now thinks that they are a, a performer the same way everybody with a camera they thinks they're a photographer. Yeah. You know, and, and, and who are we to judge them? Because again, it's so subjective. And here's three white dudes speaking from their place of privilege. And I don't want to, I don't want to shit on anybody's parade. But the point is, I'm sorry, you're not a photographer. <laughs> you know, like no, go go work at this for your ten to twenty thousand hours. Mm -hmm. Go do your courses. Go get the instruction and put in the effort. You can be an amateur photographer. You can be a hobbyist photographer, but for the love of God, don't go out and take pictures and then sell them to people telling that you're a photographer. Uh, it's like, I don't mind people doing magic as a hobby, showing their nieces and nephews, showing their kids, but don't go try and take my bookings, right? And I'm not saying that you do, but it's, it's the same thing. It's like, you're, I have no problem with hobbyists, but hobbyists shouldn't be performing in the public. And, and I, people, people have really beaten heads like, oh, it's just for fun. He's just doing a trick. And I go, they, yeah, but this is how you decimate an art, right? Like, so like, they're, they are getting higher and they are undercutting you? Oh, of course, yeah, but yeah. That, I think that happens in every field now. Well, I know for photography, it's very common to get undercut by, you know, And it's undercut by a wage that is so crazy. Yeah. Like, like they'll say... I, I will go to your wedding for 12 hours with my cell phone... And, and take your pictures for $50 in breakfast. Or, not even a cell phone, I'll go to your wedding with a mid-grade camera yeah. for $100 for 12 hours. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, as soon as you get up in the morning, you're at a negative. And yes, it's not all about money, to an extent. If you're going to do it as a profession, it has to be a livable wage, or at least a, yeah, it can't be that, that low, little bit of amount. But of course, if you're an amateur and you, that's not your main gig, yeah, you can you can get by with an extra hundred bucks for the time you would have spent sitting on the couch, anyways. I guess. So yeah, true. Not bad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's yes, yeah, that's a weird beast, man. And I I'm so. I have no qualms. I mean, I, I hang out with this guy Paul Wildbaum, who acted as my I I say my director, director, but he's my technical and and creative. Uh, sorry, he's my theatrical and, and creative consultant for the show. He's a 67-year-old dude, and, and he used to tour the world with a 60-minute, non-verbal, clean comedy show. Which now, I mean, I say that, and people, what? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he is the first to say, you know, the, the, the best moment that I can bring back is I asked Paul if he wanted to get together for a coffee, and I said, I don't have money for you, Paul. I, I literally just wanted to know if you, if you want to hang out for a coffee, because I've got a couple hours to kill him between these two appointments. 
and, and I'd love to see you. And he says, Alex, no offense, but we're not on the same level, and I, I'm not your friend. I'm your mentor, and you can pay me for my time or just don't spend time with me. And I respect the crap out of him because that's what I think it ought to be. It's not this is a professional relationship, and he values himself enough to go, if we're hanging out, it's likely going to be me picking his brain or learning something in some way, because I always do. He might as well be getting paid for it. And I had huge respect for him for, for putting that that boundary in place. Was there a shock at first, or did it just oh, hit yeah, you with but, respect? But it was like, it was a shock for a second until I realized the only shock was, was how dare I, really, right? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that I even asked, because... Um, this foo foo fle fle like bullshit that that we're all, we're all so polite right it's it's you know kids getting participation awards right and I, I know that so many parents are are going off on this but um, I have a big issue with the fact that we're I mean it's it's the millennial crisis there's so many different articles and speaks and talks that we could link people to but um, the most recent one is is the Simon Simon I forget his last name Simon whatever. Um, but right now I'm about to quote Simon, so I get to say Simon says on a video, which I've always wanted to say. Millennials are, are one of the hardest demos to reach for that reason, because we just give them permission, we give ourselves permission, we've been given permission over and over and over and over again. And and it's like when you put up a no, it's like, oh, I, might, I just violated his safe space or her safe space or its safe space, depending on what gender they want to be. So, you know, it's just like, shut up, right? Like, this is ridiculous pay me and one of my favorite quotes uh was in a tim ferris book uh she's a she's a branding uh specialist he's got a book uh, tools for titans you open up to a page you read for that like you just flip it's not like a read cover if you just open it up and it says but the quote is fuck you pay me and and that's that's a great model to operate from from whatever you're doing you should put it on the website you should well, put that on the website because <laughs> no it's it's like I to this day I get one to two emails a day asking me could you volunteer and donate uh, we get that I, I all work the time with two we charities. still do yeah right. I work with two charities and it's on my website as well I have two charities that I actively work with and I volunteer time to but you know a non-profit organization foundation we'll, we'll do free work for them to an extent yeah they'll, that's they'll a, still pay us for mileage and whatnot, thing. But, it's. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't do free work. I feel like no, yeah. we, we have something to do, gain through that, at least from what I have experienced. So I, it's mutually beneficial. I would yeah. say. Um, there, there are instances where money isn't the only option because there is mutually beneficial relationships between us and other people in the region, or, or somebody that can help us promote like ourselves. The, the virtual reality place. Yeah, but again, this is a. A hobby thing. This isn't necessarily true. a profession. We don't professionally broadcast. Thank goodness for that. Yet, who yeah. knows? Maybe, maybe. We'll um, I lost my train of thought. That's not good. Uh, I had a point. You were talking. Uh, we were talking uh, quotes. Oh, the the politeness thing. The guy that I met with a business pitch mm. would have been so much easier if I had just said "fuck you, pay me." Yeah. At a guy who... You, okay, we could at least print business cards that say that. <laughs> if they're not, we're not going to put on the website. That's true. I would I like, like that. that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I sat with him for an hour as he was pitching an absolutely horrible idea, and within the first 10 minutes, I was thinking, how the hell, like, what is the most socially acceptable time to get out? And it should have been as soon as I realized that this isn't good. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> as soon as he started saying, you're not going to be paid right now. Yeah. 
that's when I was like, oh, okay. So it would have been so much easier if it was you like told me that you turn a you turn a hourglass and you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. fuck you, pay me. You're on my clock. It's, it's an interesting business tactic. Yeah, you pull up the hourglass and say, okay, thirty seconds. After that, you're paying. That's too, that would that would give that would get whoever you're talking to it would give them the exact amount of time for an elevator pitch yeah. which is the stereotypical if you met a studio executive in an elevator you have 30 seconds to pitch them your project if that yeah you better make it a fucking good 30 seconds uh-huh. yeah hmm. yeah and i yeah i i'm all about get good at your craft right don't get me wrong i mean there's so many gigs that i've done for free and and i to this day there's still moments where i i undervalue my work because i I either start pulling up the excuses of oh the region we live in can't sustain this or uh, well it's a good it's a good it's a good first step or it's a good opportunity I tell myself that a lot like this is a this is a good opportunity Alex right mm-hmm. uh, David Blaine was performing for who was it and not Jefferson it was one of the presidents though uh, it was one of the, the past presidents. Might have been, no, I don't know. Anyways, David Blaine at seventeen, you know, he's performing in like the White House, um, right? That only goes so far, you know. And the self-talk and the, it's all just fear. It's all just fear. And with the business guy, you know, you just ask yourself, okay, how do I avoid that in the future? And and my thing, and even when you message me, this comes up now automatically. But I had to print it and put it up in my in my rooms, and it's a flow chart, and it's it's out of the Tim Ferriss uh, four-hour work week book. But the updated, the revised copy, because this is a reader that sent this in to him based on something he, he wrote. And it's presented with task or activity. Will I enjoy this? Yes. Add to add to calendar or schedule. Uh, presented with task or activity. Will I enjoy this? No. Uh, is it income generating? Yes. Okay, put into calendar. Uh, is it income, or sorry, is it income generating? Yes. Can it be outsourced? Yes. Okay, outsource. Seek help. Can it be outsourced? No. Okay, proceed. Schedule. Um, is it income generating? No. So, will I enjoy this? No. Is it income generating? No. Is it, a, is it an obligation? You know, my nephews, daughters, cousins, goats, pets, wives, goldfishes, baptism. Yes. Okay, well then schedule. Is it an obligation? No. All right, eliminate. And it's this like four-step flow chart. And now, you made it past the steps. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, absolutely. The first one, will I enjoy this? Yes, I think it'll be a blast. Boom, okay, schedule it, done. But now, it's, you know, I had, I, had, I had someone else reach out to do this kind of thing, and I, and I, no, I don't think I'll enjoy this. And it wasn't income generating, so I just, no, I'm good. Thank you. Um, and it was nothing personal. It's just like, I don't want to be in those situations no. because... You know. Times times value. I want time. to switch gears briefly because you mentioned a couple of books. If you could list rapid fire a couple of books that are like very important in your life, I, w- I will probably yeah, read, I would read them. Read too. about five or six of them. Yeah. Uh, boom. Rapid list. We should have a rapid fire section next time I come on. I want you to let's do a lightning. Is that a guarantee you'll be on again? Oh yeah, let's do it. This is perfect. Like a light. Sweating like a pig in the middle of July. We'll get we'll get hotter lights for you. Great. I love it. Um, You'll you'll look sexy. Right, the glisten. Yeah, (laughs) I got incandescent balls. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Makeup, make. Yeah, Sarah's not here. It's okay. I I got I got those things over there. They're really hot. Oh, they do get hot. Oh, I can see those. Yeah, Mm. I've melted the fingerprint off my finger before on those. Really? And now that we have fingerprint detecting phones, it's not good. No, (laughs) no. But it's great if you. uh, 
I don't know if you want to go into a life of crime, I guess, unless they ID you after they, I don't know. Anyways, uh, books, let's go. So, you know what? My pendulum swings, um, across the different layers of life and I, and, and I'm making two pendulums just confusing me, but, but, um, health, (laughs) wealth, health, wealth, uh, career slash vocation, education and relationships. That's how I look at a good day. That's how I look at a good life. If you can keep a balance of health, wealth, relationship, career, vocation, education, and relationships, you're doing well. And going back to that Robert Moore book, I mean, that's a book that I would recommend anybody read, but I, I haven't even read it yet, so that's a bit of a hypocrite. What's the title? <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's called The Four, it's, it's, I don't even know, I think it's called King, Warrior, Lover, Magician, The Four Archetypes of, okay. of, of life, I don't know. That's, like that. that's descriptive it, enough. Yeah, yeah, Robert Moore. Look, enough, I, don't know. I haven't read it, but I read a guy that that wrote about it, and you and, and you know, and it's great. Um, I think. So let's go. Let's go for one from each. Health. There's a, a book called King: The Four Layer Approach to Becoming the Strongest Version of Yourself, and that Robert Moore book is mentioned in that book. It's called King. That's a great book. Health, wealth, four hour work week by far. Well, four hour work week that intrigues my me. shelf yeah great book I should probably great sit book. down I know what I'll do tonight the, the, the title alone is enough to make me want to read that yeah, right. yeah. so Tim Ferriss blogger but uh, basically snuck his way into Princeton long story short created a supplements company he's making $80,000 a year when he graduates Princeton with his supplement company but he was working a lot he was working close to 100 hours a week I think and he realized that as he just let go of the reins and started outsourcing and reaching out for help he could make more money and he started saying no to clients that he didn't want anymore that were just headaches and they needed to babysit. He started exiting clients and just putting more attention to the clients that he did want. And the, the, the point is, it's not that, oh, you only have to work four hours a week. No, it's not that. But it's like you yeah. throw so much spaghetti at the wall, but he's giving you a template of how, how do I approach this so that I'm not beating myself into the, into the ground? He talks about mini retirements rather than saving for this ultimate retirement at the end of your life. You should enjoy mini retirements every every few months, which I think is genius. That's a cool idea. Yeah. So definitely that book. Um, it came out, I think, originally in 2009, uh, maybe 2006, and then, it, and then it was reprinted, revised in 2009. I, I might be off there, but... Um, to this day, it's the most quoted book on Amazon, and it's still in the, in the top best-selling lists across uh, a lot of bookstores, including Amazon. So he, he tapped into something deep within our psyche, and it's lasted the, the test of time, formulaically and otherwise. Whatever he did in that book has stood the test of time, and it's, it's really interesting. So for our work week, uh, if, if in terms of wealth, um, uh, health, wealth, relationships. Relationships uh, was over there, but I put over here. So health, wealth, career, career, vocation. Um, a little bit more specific. I would have. Well, I, I mean, maybe not that's specific. Yeah, that's tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, any anything, anything, and that that's something that, I, that I'll mention to you both. I I actively try to read more, and I, I have for about a year and a half now. I've been I, trying to. I try to make it through a book a month, and I realize that even if it's just a chapter a night, even if it's a page a night. It's better than nothing. Hmm. And I used to be the guy that had to like start the book, finish the book. My buddy Josh just told me about a concept called interleaving, which is um, really quick side tangent. They took a study group of people that had never played baseball and they taught group A how to hit the ball uh, from four different pitches. 
So group A learned four different pitches, but they were taught like this pitch for two weeks, then this pitch for two weeks, and this pitch for two weeks, and then this pitch for two weeks. And then group B was taught the same four pitches, but for the eight weeks, it was just, it was just intermingled. They didn't know what they were going to hit. And then they measured how well each group could hit the ball. And the group A that had learned them all individually performed far better than group B after the eight weeks in the test if they were told what pitch was coming at them. But if they, were, if they weren't told, if they were just thrown a pitch like you are in baseball, they were far inferior to group B's performance. So they were... Uh, they were better able to think on the spot. They were... Sorry, okay. I, I got this because I, I read a book about this. The group... A being the ones, okay. Now I was listening, and then again I got entranced with group A is taught for four different pitches separately, but two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, and then group B is just thrown pitches. They're not taught. They're just taught. Group B at that point is unconsciously competent. They know they can do it. They don't. They don't have to think about it. Group A not only has to think about it, but they can only be competent consciously. They have to be told what's going to be thrown in order to do it. And you need to get to the point where you can be unconsciously competent. Competent, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think NLPers talk about that. There's ABCD. Sorry, I'll stop using ABCD, but one, two, three, four. Um, where when you, when, when you begin learning a task, it's, it's conscious incompetence, right? Like you're conscious of the fact that you're incompetent. Then it becomes conscious competence. Then it becomes uh, or, or conscious... Uh, not even competence, but but um, like you're you're kind of able to do it. Then conscious competence, and then then unconscious competence. But anyways, yeah. So so the point is, in life, you're not told what you're gonna be hitting, Swinging. and and yeah. Um, so I think that just letting go of like having to beginning and end stuff, which is actually in Ferris's book too, where he says the art of not finishing. You know, you pick up something and you're just not into it. It's okay that you don't finish it. Uh, article, even a movie. He's like, I've walked out of movies because it just wasn't for me. And like this, this need to know, right? This curiosity of like, I need to have the ending. Nah, screw that. Like once you're aware of it, you just let go. I mean, there's tons of stuff now that I start a show and I go, eh, whatever. No, I'm good. Um, so career vocation, yeah, that's a little bit more specific, but I think, I think, I think if I had to say one, it would be, uh, um, oh man, uh, think and grow rich, Napoleon Hill. Yeah. I would put that in career vocation. read it. Yeah. That's a great book. Um, education, make it stick is a book about learning. It's great. And, uh, relationships, I would say, hold on to your nuts. Uh, by I, Wayne M. Levine. I like the title of that one too. Yeah, nuts. N. U. T. S. It's an acronym for non-negotiable, unalterable terms. So for any young men watching, uh, by far the coolest relationship manual I've ever gotten. And it's, it's intended for men. It's not. It's not for women at all. I it's kind of like Fight Club. I'm not even supposed to be talking about it. I, I think like the concept of that one for for most men is you learn by trial and error, and it's very destructive in your life for a bit until you figure it out. But having a book sounds nice. I pulled off the shelf today, well, sorry, a few days ago, a book that was given to me as a joke. It's The Red Green's Guide to Dating. Wow. Wow. Is it just about how to be handy? Yeah. But also at the same time, it gave a very simplistic, I just open it up because it's, it's more funny, but he's like, when you get a nickname, make sure that it's one that is cute and quick, not something that are going to make people look but you also have to be very, very, very conscious of when she uses your name in the nickname. Because when she does that, it's almost better because you'll be able to gauge a situation afterwards. If your name, 
I mean, uh, I mean, if your name was like Eric Bear, yeah, or like Eric Bear. There you go. That's okay. it. And then you know, if she if she's if she's a little bit perturbed, she may say Eric. And then if she's really mad, she might say Eric Gervais. Or if she's really really mad, she'll go the full name. Which for some reason I'm blanking on your middle name right now, but. So that that but is legitimate Eric, advice yeah. done in a comical way, but I don't know. I, it, when it, she gets when she gets mad or confused, she just says honey. I think you'd be able to gauge a lot of that just based on the inflection itself. Well yeah. I don't know if the nickname's important. It was also written. I mean purely comedy too, but yeah. I guess there is some some element. The book has him. Uh, the, there's a photo of him uh, standing, holding a vacuum, and it says "Happy Anniversary." So it's not really supposed to be taken 100 percent serious. But mm. It's a relationship book for men, but I, I like that book yeah. for your book. In fact, I'll probably check them all out. And oh if we want to do this for the first time, I don't know what affiliate links are like, but maybe we can see that links in the description. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazon and Audible, Amazon links. Maybe. Take a look. Audible is great. Going back to before, the idea of reading something in a start-to-finish sequence. Audible really makes that quick. Because I mean, just audiobooks in general, really. But I used Audible for a bit. Because you can just sit and listen to a book in like two days. Yeah. Easy. If you if you can listen to it while doing something else, yeah. easy to get through. Spritz. I also recommend Spritz. Uh, I've gotten into Spritz lately. I'm all about like hacking, right? Like the magician, he's always like, how can I do this better? But Audible is great. A lot of people don't know this, but we can listen to... It's why I speak so fast. We can listen comfortably to about one and a half times the speed. Of yeah, what used I, to. I used to jack it right up there. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've gotten myself to one and a half to, to 1.75, depending on when it is. And, and I, you know, in a podcast too, I, I go through so many great podcasts and it's just... You know, and, and not everything. I mean, if it's a little bit deeper, I want to spend time with it. Yeah. If it's like something that I'm enjoying, then I won't rush through it. But if it's just like, you know, give me the information. Yeah, so I can yeah, something a little drier. Hmm. Um, I like. Uh, there's a guy, Pat Flynn, has a podcast called uh, some. It's some. It's like the automated income, something. Okay. Podcast. I kind of know. I. Yeah, it it's great. It's great. He makes it fun, but I still listen to that at one point five or one point seven five. And then Spritz is uh, it lines up the middles of words. So if like if we have like the word because here, I'll, I'll line it up so you guys can actually put it in. But because it's here, and then they'll put the C A U of because in red, and it lines up with like there's this box and there's these two lines, and it flashes the words at your eyes, and you can triple or quadruple your reading speed. Um, and if you go to spritz.com, uh, S-P-R-I-T-Z, I think, and it's all free. You can get this like for your your laptop or your computer. Right. I've never copy heard of paste like articles that. into it, and it just flashes the words, and you can just read them, and it's like you know, what? Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> this really? sounds amazing. Yeah, I want to pull up my phone to show you, but we'll do it later. Okay, it's really cool. It's huh. really really cool because you don't have to scan the words, and your your brain once it knows where the middle of the word is, you can use its peripherals to see the word faster than you could if you were reading. It's almost like a new form of English if you're going to just use, focus on the middles of words. Yeah. Well, it's it's like you said with people's phone numbers. We were talking quite a few weeks ago about how 
at least I hope it was you. Otherwise, I was having an intelligent conversation with somebody else. God forbid that. Maybe yourself. <laughs> Maybe. But I think it was you that said that mentally we group telephone numbers oh, like into, the segments, yeah. into segments. It's kind of like that where you're now grouping an entire sentence into a segment or an entire line into a segment. Cause yeah. you're, and the human brain's good at that. They stay up until like about seven groups but you can really you, the groups can be pretty much any size that's how people memorize like hundreds of digits of pi and, and things like that they're able to group things very successfully but if you're shown eight ten numbers at random you might just remember seven of them yeah yeah that's and that's all been like proven i like that yeah our conscious minds can remember and and process about seven bits of information or we can remember short term about seven bits of information yeah. which is why phone numbers were originally seven digits long um, and I always tell people, if you need to remember a phone number really fast, just forget about trying to remember the area code. That typically screws you up. And you just, you know, if you make, for every area code, I have like a little mnemonic picture. So Toronto is just a little tower, and the, the 1 and 416 is the tower, you know, and I, in 905 is, is a the little different. Mnemonics are awesome. But, you know, it's fun that our unconscious, you go from the conscious, which is about two to three bits of information a second consciously, we can process, and then our unconscious, two to three trillion. Right, as I sit here, my body is digesting the food I had before I came, my skin temperature, my nail growth, my hair growth, my blinking rate, my breathing, my speaking. It's making the words kind of like, it's just like, whoa, right? And you, you graph that and you go, man, imagine if you could just tap into a little bit more, which I think Spritz, they, they kind of did. They went, how do we take advantage of how greater our minds scientific are? Scientific approach to reading or more scientific approach. I like it. I'm pretty sure they had neuroscientists mm -hmm. that worked with the app developer. I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm not making it up. It's like on the on the trial website, you can go up to I think on the trial uh, or on the like on the demo page of the website. It's like at 500 words per minute. It's it's it shows you the the example and and you can keep up, but it's it's draining, you know. But as you practice, you get better and better and better. But draining at 500 words a minute. I mean, if you, if you can read 500 words in a minute. It makes sense that it's draining, but you could get so much more done yeah. if you could just read at that pace. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be draining, but it might j be just as draining as sitting there and reading the same amount, except Although, you're getting it done. Technology helps so much. Like even even when I was in university a cup just a couple of years ago, I tried so many methods of getting text to like a speech program because there's text to speech programs, but none of them are good enough. And now that I'm out, Microsoft Word comes out with <laughs> a really good one. And now I can't use it. But if you're a student, you probably already do this, and you're probably better at it than I am. But yeah, just time-saving measures like that. Because if you are in university and you're you know, in your later years and you're reading all these scholarly articles, some are like a hundred pages, and you got to read multiple articles. It's like, oh, I, I don't have time for this unless I speed it up a bit. Yeah, spritz your way through it. My recommendation is coffee and Adderall. I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 well, uh, I'm sure that true university kids are quite familiar with that method. Too. Both, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there's, there's more stimulants than just Adderall, but yeah. It's oh, yeah. It's crazy. I've never, I've never dabbled in, in any of that stuff. Yeah, coffee, obviously. Well, I took Cetaphedrin once for a uh, congested uh, sinuses, and, and that worked pretty well with coffee. Yeah. 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 Don't that, do drugs recreationally, bad. but if you happen to accidentally take a lot of Cetaphedrin for your congestion and drink coffee at the same time, you will focus very well on what you're doing. That's actually how we got this entire house built, if you're wondering. This is how this house <laughs> came to be. I, that would be night. an insult. This house is terrible. It's it terribly put together. Is it? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> home, home renovation is a thing that you should probably consult a professional for in, in most terms. 
but some people get it in them. No, you hire a hobbyist. Yeah, or your cousin yeah. or something. I don't Fuck know. you, pay me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this was fun. This this is fun. intriguing. And you've already kind of, we have it verbally that you've signed on for at least one more. Oh, I'd love to. Come up with something. I'd love to. You find it fun. We find it fun, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for having me. You, you definitely have different stories than the escort. Yeah, I mean, if you want to hear about that night with the bamboo and the fox, I'm, I'm happy to tell you, but uh, it might be a good story for another day. <laughs> Save for next time. She has a similar one. Does she? Yeah. yeah. He's bamboo. No. <laughs> It was not good. It was interesting. We're trying to get a, a wide range of people. Yeah, great. You know what? And this is a trick that I use in my podcast. You ask the guest off camera who they would recommend to interview. And, okay. And then you just, like, it's like this giant. Well, that's, that's a good idea. Perfect. So with that note, we're going to go off camera, I think. We're pretty close to where we said we had to yep. be. So we right now. Well. So I'm Jesse Dolster. I am Eric Gervais. And I'm Mr. Dresso. I had to, yeah. <laughs> I had to do it. No, my name is Alex Kazam. Thank you for 